We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai studio. Presented to you by your local Hyundai dealers. This is where Chicago goes to talk Bears. Sports Radio 670 The Score. Chicago's home for Bears fans. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The Score! I am sincerely disappointed that I'm leaving without the opportunity to finish what I was brought in to do. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to score. That's the voice of Tony LaRusso. I'm David Hall with Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock. We're talking White Sox. We're talking offseason. We're talking playoffs and Cubs as well. And we are now talking to our friend at USA Today, Bob Nightingale. He covers the league, and we go out to the guest hotline, sponsored by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing great, David. Hey, Bruce. Hey, what's going on, Bob? So, Bob, let's start with the, the managerial search, and, and I think that we are at a point where a lot of us thought the Sox would eventually get, but they're there because of the disappointment of 2022, because the Tony La Russa experiment, if you will, from the viewpoint of a lot of people in Chicago, didn't work. It wasn't, uh, wasn't a successful one. How do you view it? I know that you have connections within the organization. I know you think a lot about Tony La Russa and respect him. But from your vantage point, how would you describe the last two years? You know, I don't. I'm surprised all the uh, <laughs> all the venom against uh, Tony La Russa. I mean, if, if you look at it, you know, it's two years. Last year, uh, they won the division. Won the division for the first time since uh, 2008. Uh, a, a marvelous job, and they got beat by the Houston Astros. Anybody, anybody's gonna get beat by the Houston Astros. They weren't as good as the Astros. Uh, the answer was proven, proved only Atlanta was better. So uh, I don't care who is managing that team, and nobody's going to get more out of them. So, uh, you know, people you know, forget that. You know, this year obviously was uh, a huge disappointment. Uh, you know, hey, he steps, he steps away, and, uh, you know, with the health thing, Miguel Cairo takes over. You know, they start to play well. Then they fall apart under him too. So, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, guys have to look themselves in the mirror. So, you know, you can't just blame this thing on one manager. I mean, it doesn't work that way. Bob, uh, is it roster construction uh, more than anything else that stood out to you this year? Here's a team for the first time I can't, I can't remember except for a strike or, a strike or a pandemic-shortened season, a White Sox team uh, since, uh, since uh, 1970 that didn't have a 20-home a run hitter on it. Was it just a failure of uh, slug by this team combined with injuries? 
can they bring this team back the way uh, it was pretty much in total and, and expect to compete next year? No, I mean, they, uh, yeah, they had so many things go wrong. I mean, you guys watch it or they're unwatchable. I mean, seemed un- unathletic too. Uh, everybody seemed to be the same type of player. So, no, I think they got to, uh, you know, pretty much blow that thing up uh, and, and make a lot of guys available. You know, they got the most uh, value is by, you know, it's Tim Anderson because he's got two option years left at a, uh, uh, you know, team-friendly contract. I would think he would bring the most. Uh, I don't think there's any way in the world they bring back Jose Abreu. Love the guy. You know, he still had a strong season. But you got to change things up in there. And I, I think they need a uh, – a loud voice in that clubhouse too. Some guy to kind of uh, lead and uh, and be the guy that they rally around. So I think they'll make a lot of moves this offseason. So I want to get back to the manager for a moment, but the Abreu thing is interesting too, Bob. So let let's start with uh, the La Russa factor and moving on from him. There were the unorthodox moves. There was walking the guy on one and two count. There were some unusual lineups, and there's just the overall complacency that I feel like crept in because the White Sox did underachieve, but they weren't exactly going all out in the effort either. And that's on the manager to me because you tell players to go 75% to watch. And I think eventually that kind of mindset allows the complacency to creep in. And we saw a team that counted on, you know, their talent, the backs of their baseball cards, and they never lived up to potential. I do think they need a shakeup with a different mindset and a different culture. What I just described of the managers who are available, of the ones you think they might pursue, who comes to mind first? Who might be some of those managers that can shake things up and do things in a way that's more predictable? Yeah, it's almost like you need a uh, a younger, you know, uh, Tony Larusa back in in the day, and that's why you know, kind of question when they brought Larusa in, you know, I, I thought, hey, this guy's a Hall of Fame manager, everything else, but I think. Tony wanted to be accepted a lot more you know, by the players, so he wasn't the same guy yelling and screaming. Not saying to do that every day, but I think you need a guy that jump on guys. Um, Brian Snicker did that in uh, with Atlanta this year. They were kind of mulling around, had a team meeting, and boom, they took off and never looked back. Uh, you know, we look at managers that can do that. You know, you look at a guy like uh, Bruce Bochy. I mean, won three World Series for a reason. Uh, you know, was Bruce 65, 66? I don't know if they want to stay away from that sort of thing but i think uh a guy like bochy his resume you know just brings that you know that kind of presence in the clubhouse uh mike schilt you know one in st louis uh for a few years uh you know he's looking to uh, become a manager again i think they want to get a guy with experience you know uh if if alex Cora wanted to leave and things that got so bad with him and heim bloom i think he would have been the the, the perfect fit uh, I would like to see a guy like Carlos Beltran step in, but you know Beltran has an experience, and I don't know if they want to win right now. So uh, I, I really believe they're going to go the route with experience. This time around, how much will Jerry Reinsdorf, in your opinion, have an impact on who's hired? We know Jerry's always going to sign off on uh, who's the manager. The last time around, it was his pick. How do you think the uh, the powers that are within with Kenny and with Rick and Jerry divided up as to the final say, so final decision on this manager. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, he's going to leave it up to, you know, Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn to pick the guy. 
and obviously he's got to uh, approve it. I mean, even you know, going back to Larusa hire. I mean, obviously that's who Jerry Reinsdorf wanted, but Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams sign off on it. I mean, if, if anybody was that disturbed, I didn't see anybody quit the organization and say, "Okay, I'm leaving," and they sign off on it and say, "Okay." Uh, it's your team, you know. He, I mean, Tony interview yeah. wasn't like an interview, so I, you know everybody's everybody's responsible. Know. So same, you know, so same thing here. It's like, uh, you know, it's Rick. This is you know Rick Hahn and uh, Ken Williams' decision. But hey, trying to run signs of checks. That I, if he doesn't like the guy, everything's going to work. They're not going to hire I'm, him. I, I can't agree with you on that one, Bob. Uh, that that one is uh, that was a clear Jerry pick. If uh, Rick and uh, Kenny wanted to go somewhere else after the pick, that was up to them. But uh, this was right. this this was clear. And, and you're right. You you said it in a in a in a more articulate way than I'm saying it. That no, this was his pick. And uh, you know Jerry's been involved in every pick of a manager. So I'm not I'm not asking for uh, earth breaking you know news about the idea that he's going to be involved. Jerry's always going to say, and he said this to me, and I'm sure he said it to you many times, you want to replace the manager, that's great. Now tell me, our next manager, why he's going to be as good or better, and uh, then I'll go ahead and sign off on it. That's, that's, I'm sure that won't be any different this time. No, I mean, what would have been very intriguing if LaRusso didn't have the health problems? Would he have been back next year? I think he would have been. Uh, you know, I'm not sitting in front of office wanting them back, but I think he would have been uh, in this case. But yeah, I mean, even even trades, even free agent signings, I mean, that's the front office decision. But those things don't happen unless Jerry Reinstorf says, "Okay, uh, you know, go ahead." I mean, he's he's going to write the checks. We're talking with Bob Nightingale from USA Today here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio six seven. The score, David Hall, Bruce Levine. Bob, you said something about Jose Abreu, who is as popular of a White Sox player as there has been since probably Paul Konerko. Nine years on the south side, came over from Cuba, and has, has been one of their best players since the day he arrived. I don't know if the White Sox can afford to bring him back, but there's an element and there's a belief that maybe they can't afford to let him go either because of his leadership, because of what he means to the organization. They are stockpiled with designated hitters. But you were pretty definitive. You think that there is no way the White Sox bring Jose Abreu back to uh, to Chicago? I guess I should say no way. I, I just don't see it. I think they need to shake things up in the in the clubhouse. Uh, you know, hey, he's a great guy. Is he a leader? I don't know about that. Uh, you know, he was a guy. You know, he did protect uh, Larusa. He's very close with uh, Tony. He loved playing for him. Other guys, you know, some of our guys didn't. He did. Uh, but yeah, I, I just think, you know, you gotta, you know, clear out the space there at, at first base, you know, get bond over there, you know, that sort of thing, maybe make the team more athletic, you know, nothing against, uh, Abreu and, you know, he was great in Chicago, you know, one of the best signs ever, they ever made, but I think you got to, uh, stir things up in that clubhouse. Bob Nightnick Gale, our good friend from USA Today, who breaks millions of stories, including the one about Tony Larusa not returning along with Dan Bernstein, per- pretty much at the same time, uh, came up with this uh, revelation. Bob, uh, why not Ozzie Guillen in the mind of the front office? Why is he not being considered one of the most popular and productive managers in White Sox history around the team uh, doing pre and post game? Um, Everybody uh, thought until he went to Miami that he was one of the best managers in the history of the White Sox. Why not Ozzie? 
you know, it's almost like, you know, why hasn't any other team hired Ozzy either? I think just because he's kind of a loose cannon and, and teams get intimidated by that. Uh, you know, they get afraid of what he might do, what he might say. Uh, he's his own man. Uh, you know, I, even when he uh, got let go by the Marlins, I mean, you know, he was younger then and stuff, and, you know, he never really got a shot. I just don't <clears throat> think they want to go that route. Uh, I, I don't see it. Uh, you know, he's. I think they realize that, you know, they're not going to control Ozzy by any means. Uh, I'm not sure they controlled Taylor Lewis either. You know, they wanted more control. I'm not sure you're going to have control with Ozzy. Bob, when you look at a guy like Joe Spada and you wonder about the succession plan in Houston, he's got a lot of respect and he will get a lot of interest and has already interviewed for managerial positions. What does the future hold for him? And he might he be a guy the White Sox should take a good hard look at? Well, just no experience. I mean, you know, I know his name is banging about, but there's been a million job openings the last few years and no one's hired him. So, you know, why why haven't they hired him? I think people have questions about him and things like that. Uh, you know, there's even some debate uh, in the Astros organization how good he is. So, uh, I don't. I think where the White Sox are, you know, you want a guy that's ready to take him to the next level. You don't want to go through growing pains with the manager. I think it's probably be much better off, you know, in a place like, you know, Miami or Kansas City. Looking at the playoffs, I know you're in St. Louis covering the uh, the Phillies and the Cardinals. What a shocker you had to watch last night, those six runs in the ninth inning. Um, David and I were talking about the, the Cardinals pitching, and if if Jose Quintana is your number one right now, with Flaherty still, you know, iffy and still coming back, uh, are, are you really a team that uh, should be con- considered going there? I mean, they're they're day. Everybody's a day away from elimination in the wild card today. Yeah, I, mean, I thought that was you know the biggest mismatch of uh, the whole postseason that pitching matchup. <clears throat> but hey, get Quintana credit. I mean, he pitched great for him. Uh, they knew what they were doing. I mean, it's not their race. I mean, they got you know better pitchers. The guy tonight, Miles, you know, Nicholas is a, a better pitcher than Quintana. Uh, but yeah, once again, the pitching matchup favors Philadelphia. I thought St. Louis would win this series just because something in October brings out the best, the best in the Cardinals. They always overachieve in the, in October. So so we'll see what happens. But yeah, they don't have those horses in the rotation, and I think they're going to uh, spend some big money <clears throat> this winter. And go, you know, go get that type of guy. You know, Bob, you have the benefit of, of seeing how other teams operate throughout the league, and and you have that perspective that I think is you take advantage of with your experience of, of being able to report and understand the cultures of, of all these organizations. And I, I say that because I'm curious about what your thought process is, what your thought is on the White Sox sticking with the status quo in their front office. You know, since Rick Hahn took over in 2012, 27 of the 29 other teams have had changes at the top, changes with their general manager. You look at they did in Kansas City. You look at Detroit, and you look around baseball. Only Mike Rizzo and Brian Cashman are still in the job, on the job, uh, when Rick Hahn took over. He hasn't won a World Series, and frankly, they haven't won a playoff game. So I wonder, I expected them to maybe consider making some changes that you often see in professional sports in Major League Baseball. They didn't. Why didn't they? Yeah, I mean, I just think it's <clears throat> strictly Jerry Reinsdorf's loyalty. I really do. <clears throat> I mean, there have been some guys fired in that organization, the front office, that, you know, they're still getting paid. Uh, some guys are still in the media guide and with vice president titles. 
and you know, the guy hasn't had anything to do with the organization for years. So, yeah, just strictly loyalty. I mean, a lot of people in baseball, you know, echo the same sentiments, like what's going on there? How can they have it, uh, you know, turn that thing over? Uh, you know, it's been so many uh, bad years since they won the uh, the World Series in 05. So, but I, yeah, I just think that's Jerry Reinsdorf being loyal, you know, maybe to a, a fault sometimes. But a, uh, you look in baseball, maybe all the sports, but particularly baseball, there's there's no one that has that kind of loyalty. Bob, uh, looking at Milwaukee, if Stearns becomes the uh, president of the New York Mets, does does that put Craig Council in a situation where he's close to being a free agent manager? And could he possibly in the mix be in the mix if there's a volatile offseason here where Stearns leaves to become the uh, the Mets president? Yeah, I know Stearns doesn't have that opt-out. I still think the up control for him <clears throat> for one more year because they didn't get to a World Series, which could have triggered a, an opt-out. I don't see it. You know, Council's from Wisconsin. He loves it there. Uh, I don't think that, you know, big thing, if Stearns leaves, it doesn't mean he's upset. It uh, doesn't mean they're going to tear down the organization and uh, start rebuilding. They're not going to do that. I mean, Council would be a great fit. I, I completely agree. Uh, he, was at, he was out there, you know, jump all over him. But I just don't see him. Uh, I don't see him leaving. Last thing I have before we let you go, Bob, and really appreciate your time this morning. Got to ask you about the Cubs. This is a big off season for them. You know they finished thirty nine and thirty one in the since the All Star break. They, their last twenty two games, they were sixteen and six. A lot of young pitching that they feel optimistic about, and I think that we have heard Jed Hoyer, who's speaking Monday, vow to be aggressive this off season. We know they can afford to be aggressive. What do you expect in this uh, hot stove period from the Cubs this offseason and, and how, uh, how aggressive they might be? Well, I think they'll be aggressive. I think they're, you know, they're telling the world they're going to spin and, you know, they got to get a shortstop. There's so many great shortstop out there. You know, I think the perfect guy for him is Alexander Bogarts. You know, he's going to opt out of his contract in, in Boston. Great guy, uh, a team leader, obviously Hoyer. Uh, knows him from uh, the Boston days. So uh, I would think, you know, of all the shortstops out there, he would be the perfect fit. And then, you know, it's kind of build from there. You know, the one thing about, uh, you know, I know the Cubs finish so strong, but, uh, you know, as Bruce knows, you talk to scouts, and they say that, that, that two times that you can't get crude judgments are uh, spring training in the month of September, just because it's a different animal. So, you know, it's, it's nice building, you know, finishing strong, everything like that. But I don't think you can realize that, okay, these guys pitch well in September. That means they're going to, you know, translate to next April. It doesn't work that way. So, but I would think it's, I would think it's been, particularly the tenants being down. And uh, yeah, let's be honest, it's, it's a winnable division. It's the right division to be in because the Cardinals never spend much money either, but, you know, but they win. Bob, we appreciate your time as always. And, Keep up uh, the great coverage, the great ability to break stories, and uh, we look forward to your next uh, visit here, which hopefully we'll talk to you in the late playoffs and during the World Series. Have a great game out there in St. Louis. Take care. Thanks, Bob. All right. Look forward to it. See you, David. See you, Bruce. Bob Nightingale from USA Today. All things White Sox, little Cubs mixed in, and the playoffs certainly. Interesting stuff, Bruce, especially about uh, Jose Abreu, him, the expectation he doesn't think he will – T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission return to the White Sox. I'm not sure that has yet to be uh, determined. Maybe they are, are still pl- planning their budget and plotting the next move, but that was interesting as well as his insight and opinions on what's going to happen with the managerial search. And that will lead us into our next segment, which will maybe have a little touch on Abreu as well. Yeah, we love the musical opens, and we're going to have another one next when we come back. Should I stay? Or should I go right here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. As the MLB trade deadline approaches, both sides of town have some decisions to make. So, who should stay and who should go? Should I stay or should I go now? With Bruce Levine and David Haw on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. Great spot for a big hit. Elvis takes off, ground ball, there! Harrison's going to score! Elvis around third! We are tied! Can you believe it? Can you believe it? David Hall, Bruce Levine here, back on Inside the Club at Chicago Sports Radio. 670 the score. Thank you to Len Casper, NBC Sports Chicago, for that highlight. Jose Abreu is... At the forefront of that question, Bruce, should I stay or should I go? Boy, I think that's a good debate, and that is maybe the first debate, uh, maybe the second one after who's going to manage this team, but in terms of the roster, he's at the top of the list. Uh, don't you think everything goes from what you do after that, what you do with the Brave, and then everything else comes after that? All right, Bob Nightingale brought up an interesting point, David, and that is he's a great guy in everything, but he's not a leader, okay? Um, we've, we've been up and back about what leaders do and how they can get other guys to play, okay? Uh, to me, he's a leader by example. He plays all the games. He comports himself perfectly. He, uh, he used to, I thought, hold other teammates responsible for their play. Uh, I didn't see it this, this year. Okay, I don't think I don't think the White Sox were always responsible for the playing their hardest and their best. I think that meeting in September or the end of August when they had it was way too late. Okay, 
So I have to question about the leadership. Okay, I admire mm. him. I think he's a great, mm. one of the greatest White Sox players in history. But I don't think two things. One, can a player make a difference as a leader? You have to answer that one. And two, is Jose Abreu a leader on the White Sox? I think the answer to the second question is one I never, ever considered being asked about Jose Abreu. I think leadership, that's one of his greatest attributes, Bruce, from the outside looking in. I don't know. That surprised me as much as anything that Bob Nightingale said. And 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 he said something that surprised, I think, both of us when he was as definitive about what he thought would happen with Jose Abreu this offseason. Let's hear that here. I think there's any way in the world they bring back Jose Abreu. Love the guy. You know, he still had a strong season. But you got to change things up in there. You know, I, I think they need a uh, – a loud voice in that clubhouse too. Some guy to kind of uh, lead and uh, and be the guy that they rally around. So I think they'll make a lot of moves this offseason. Bruce, can I offer what I think from my cynical point of view? Of course, I think you this is do. a new this is a new narrative. Where's this coming from that Jose Abreu isn't a leader? This was what David, he was being celebrated David. for the previous eight years. David, you've covered uh, locker rooms and athletes for thirty years. Guys who play hard, do their job, are star players, are not always leaders, okay? Our assumption was because he was a star and he was a star Latin American player, that other players on that team were going to follow him and, and the way he tells them to play. He doesn't tell them how to play, okay? He is a leader by example. He's been a great help to all the players on that team, not just the Latin American players, okay? So we're not isolating into that. But uh, from the perspective of did that team get the best out of themselves all year long, you can throw a lot of it on La Russa, but if team leaders aren't there to help you with that aspect of it, you're at a loss. And I don't think anybody that watched the Chicago White Sox play this year, albeit the injuries, thought that they got the most out of their ability all season long. A, a good amount of those players didn't play up to their ability, didn't play up to their capability, didn't give you all the energy they needed to give you to help you win. Bruce, I'm a writer. And I think writers become conditioned to thinking this way. Don't tell me, show me. Don't tell me, show me. Right. And right. Jose Abreu is not the best guy maybe telling people what to do. But you know what? Every single day he shows them. The example is powerful in any language to anybody who speaks any. If you speak baseball, you understand Jose Abreu. The effort level is there. You don't have to be a guy that tells Jose Abreu, well, you need to go 75% today. You don't Because he's going to go 100 no matter what he says, no matter what you tell him. I think that's you powerful. Watch- you watch Jan Mankato, who lockers two lockers away from uh, Abreu play this year. I watched too much of Johan Mankata. Okay, was, was yes. he impacted? Was he impacted by uh, anything that uh, Jose Abreu brought to the park every day? And I'm not minimizing what Abreu brought. I think he's fantastic. I think he's a, a great person, a great player, somebody that I'd like on my team. But I don't think he was impacted at all by Jose Abreu and the, the way he performed. You can't absolve the manager from 
everything that happened because it was the right. player's responsibility for falling okay. short and then blame one guy for not showing leadership because the I, other I guys didn't, didn't follow I, his I lead. I, I never absolved Larusa. I think his tactic of going in blew up on him and the White Sox. Uh, Bob Nightingale said, said it very well. Larusa came in with the tactic of, I have to show them. This is a Hall of Famer, second most wins in baseball history as a manager. I have to show them that I fit in with them, okay? That, so this, after last year, I asked Tony, I said, hey, there's a lot of things that have to be cleaned up, even though you guys won 93 games. Defense, base running, he said, hey, we're going to be addressing that full strength in spring training, okay? I was there all the time. I saw them do it. It was not impactful on these players. It didn't resonate, okay? And a lot of the reason I think it didn't resonate is because he already told them coming in that they didn't need him, that they were already good and didn't need his help, okay? And I don't think he ever recovered from that. I want to be clear here, too. I don't know that it makes sense for the White Sox to bring Jose Abreu back from a from a salary standpoint, from a, uh, a roster standpoint, because of how limiting it it makes your your flexibility in your roster because of the duplicate parts that you put together. But that's on the that's on Rick Hahn and that's on Kenny Williams and whatever. But 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 that to me, that to me is is part of the conversation. But it bothers me that if we're using this criteria or we're suddenly introducing the idea that he's not a good leader into the reason why he wouldn't come back. I'm, I'm offended to that premise because that to me is, is contrary to everything we've ever heard about the guy or, or seen him with our own two eyes observed up, think, up close I, and I personal. Our, David, I think no matter how long I've covered or how, how long you've covered sports, our ideas about who really is a leader in clubhouses sometimes is skewed. Okay. We don't know for sure. We're not in there, okay? He says all the right things. He does all the right things. Uh, the players look up to him. That doesn't mean that they respond to him. And, and again, I'll, my premise is, no matter who the manager is, you have to have players that help police that clubhouse. That, I know, is a fact. They have to be there. You have to have leadership in that clubhouse. I didn't see much of that at all until September of 2022, for the Chicago White Sox. Well, and Bruce, in fairness, nobody's in that clubhouse more than you are. I will respect your vantage point and your point of view and the reporting that you provide on a regular basis. I'm not in there every day. I, I will say that I have known Jose Abreu from day one, and right. maybe I am somewhat you know, biased in that direction. I've been, you know, had the privilege of being in Cuba with Jose Abreu. I have followed his career. I am, I've Terrific always guy. respected him because of the kind of character that he exudes. And I think the example he provides. So I maybe have a little bit of a blind spot here. I'm also bothered by the idea that this is the first time I've ever heard of the, about this being the case, that he's a bad leader. And this is conveniently when they might yeah. choose not to uh, resign him or bring him I, back. And I can't I put, help but put two or two together. I don't think he's a bad leader. I think he's a leader by example. It's different. Those, those two things are different. But I will say this. The way that Jose Abreu was looking at the end of the season and talking and not playing the last game in front of the White Sox fans made me believe that Jose Abreu doesn't necessarily want to come back to this team. I, that's that's a really excellent point, Bruce, and I wondered that as well. Let's squeeze in a phone call. We have a lot of people who want to weigh in. And 
The Score listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. And Jim has been on hold for a while in Beecher. Thanks for holding on, Jim. Welcome inside the clubhouse. Oh, I enjoy your show all the time. So uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, guys. Uh, two quick bullet points in the interest of time. Uh, number one, uh, I think the White Sox arrow uh, overall is pointing down. The, the Cub arrow, okay, and I'm a White Sox fan, is pointing up, especially with what I've seen with their, their pitching development. Uh, I think next year the two arrows are going to meet and the Cubs are going to win more games next year, i.e. 2023, than the White Sox will. So, uh, Mr. Reinsdorf, uh, if you're listening, uh, hope you enjoy that one. And number two, uh, the White Sox mentality for the offseason with Rick Hahn, uh, who I agree with Dave and Hall 100% about the skepticism about him leading this team, is they're going to think, uh, Tim Anderson, Louis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, and Yohan Mankata uh, all played 100 games or less. If we can only get those guys to play 140 games, uh, we got enough and we're going to do it. That's going to be their mentality. You watch. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for your thanks, call. Thanks, Jim. Maybe we should ask them nicely if they'll play all those games. Uh, <laughs> again, some of those guys were injured. I don't I – don't, I don't kid around about people's injuries. They're real. Uh, they all are trying to get on the field. I, I don't doubt that. Uh, the, the idea of uh, what they're going to be able to give you and if they'll be able to stay on the field is the question when you consider trading a Jimenez, a Moncada, uh, dare I say, Luis Robert with all his great talent. Do you dare consider it knowing that it's been a battle to be able to stay on the field. I don't doubt those injuries are real. That's that's not my concern or question. My concern and question is, can you look at them at as anything but injured players and will continue to be injured? Bruce, that's an excellent point. It also underscores why their trade value will be limited if you were even willing to have that conversation internally, right? right great point by you. The, the idea is you can't trade a week out of weakness. I think in the case of Tim Anderson, if you're considering trading him, uh, that they won't look at it the same way because this was the first injury that kept him off the field this year as much as it did. He was pretty durable uh, for most of his career. He's still a young man. He's still one of the great hitters in the American League, if not all of baseball. He brings great energy. He was a leader. Many people said, David, once, once he got hurt, if he doesn't come back, they're not going to win because they need his energy at the top of the lineup. wasn't necessarily the same energy he brought in years past, but he's still a fine player. Jim said the Cubs' arrow is pointing up. I want to explore that a little bit further in our final segment here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Ending on a, a win, I think, is... Um, nice you know i think from my seat you always want to point to that would be nice to be popping champagne at some point right that's where we're trying to get to but um these guys are true fighters you know i I told them that after the the game they've fought all year a lot of adversity a lot of change a lot of up and down a lot of guys making their debuts going through um 
you know, just the what it's like to get through 162 and these guys fought all the way. I'm super proud of how they finished. Um, they came to work every single day to get better. Uh, we've got a long way to go, but they did a really nice job of coming to work every single day with a mission to compete and try to get better. Thanks for listening here inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7. The score, that was the voice of David Ross, Cubs manager. After their season ended, 74-88, and 88, Bruce. I'm David Hall, Bruce Levine, final segment of Inside the Clubhouse. Cubs were 16-6 and six in September, Bruce. Bob Nightingale said uh, that scouts have probably told him and you and the baseball adage is don't overreact to September. How should we react right. to September? I, I think that's a, that's a caution that uh, the Cub front office will uh, automatically know, okay? None of those young guys who pitch really well are proven, okay? The only proof that we have that I believe in from the Cubs pitching from last year is that Steele and Thompson are legit young pitchers in the game, guys that can be counted on, okay? Some of the bullpen people uh, look extremely good going forward. I, I don't think you can count on any th- any of these things as automatics, but uh, I do think that the Cubs are going certainly in the right direction as far as bringing in people to help with the front office, uh, being uh, establishing great things under Craig Breslow, uh, the pitching guru uh, for the organization. Uh, you know, this time around, making the rebuild about pitching first and position players second. I like that. I like it a lot because of the fact that. I believe uh, in this era, although the offenses might pick up because of the lack of shifting and the other rule changes next year, that it's it's still about uh, the pitching. And that, uh, you know, if you look at Atlanta, if you look at the Dodgers, uh, you look at Houston, uh, the top, even the Yankees now, the top, the top four teams arguably in baseball right now, mm-hmm. it's all about their pitching being on the top. You and know, that's why and, I think one of the more – yeah, that, that's a great point, Bruce. One of the more underrated coaches, I think, in Chicago sports is Tommy Hadovy, the pitching coach who's been here now four seasons. And you look at the way that he was able to apply those principles and get the most out of this staff, this young staff uh, with the Cubs this season. Tommy does it. I know he's a guest on, on the Mullion Haw Show regularly, but he, you know why, because you hear him – you know, crystallize ideas into simple thoughts, and commu- he communicates well. And this is a staff that has responded to him. Let me ask you this, Bruce. You know, net going into – I know this is only the first Saturday of the off season. We've got many more to ponder this. But you've got Stroman. You've got Hendricks. You've got, after that, Justin Steele. Where does Keegan Thompson fit? What about Hayden Wisniewski? What about Adder Alzali, who finished strong – you're going to have to go out in free agency if they're going to spend and get a frontline starter. Bruce, what is this starting rotation going to look like, do you think, in March? Well, it might look like what you're talking about, David. I don't think Alzai is uh, – he said himself he prefers to be a bullpen guy. Okay. okay. He thinks his role is uh, many different roles out of the bullpen. And I think he could be many different guys out of the bullpen. But th- that said, you know, knowing injuries and pitching – uh, you know, none of us envisioned uh, the pitching rotation be what it was at the end of the year uh, and some of these guys in it. You know, there, there were tryouts, and it is a team uh, that is still in a rebuild. But, you know, we didn't envision, uh, you know, guys was, like Wesneski and, and people like that being a part of it. So f- from that point,
point, they, they have to keep building because you're only one or two injuries away from from having starting over again for your rotation. You want a, a, a view inside of that? Look at the White Sox, you know, who has a tremendously solid rotation. But after next year, uh, with Lynn's uh, contract being up, with Giolito uh, going into the last year before he's a free agent, uh, with the unknown about Kopech, what he really is at this point. You know, what is the White Sox rotation, which was really good this year? They were 10th in, uh, in pitching in, in, in all of baseball uh, this year. So that wasn't a problem. But, I mean, you're only as good as the depth that you have in your organization. And uh, that's why the Cubs are going this way. Let me ask you about the role of a young pitcher. I get teased about on the morning show for my guy Dustin Rhodes. Uh, Brandon Hughes, the transition he has made – from the outfield to the mound has impressed me. I like the way he approaches things, just like his stuff. I think he had eight saves this year, Bruce. He, he was used a lot more than I anticipated, maybe than they ever anticipated, and he has been put in high-leverage situations. Is he somebody that you envision as a closer, as a setup guy? What is Brandon Hughes' future? Because you just don't find lefties who throw like he does and can be used in many different ways every year. Yeah, you know what? Uh, not, the lefty aside, we were talking about uh, Rowan Wick last year this time about the same okay. thing, you know. I mean, okay. it's just like, okay. you know, it, it's uh, – I love his stuff, and I love the way he comes in and throws strikes. That's the first thing I look at when I look at young pitchers. You know, they come up from the minor leagues. Do they throw strikes? You know, they had, they had Dylan Maples for like 10 years in the organization. We threw 100 miles an hour. And they kept bringing him up and trying him out. And he, he, he would walk as many guys as he, as he struck <laughs> out. So it, it didn't work out. So the potential only goes so far. But young guys coming in, throwing strikes, giving them a self, self a chance to win a ball game. All the Cub pitchers did that really well at the end of the year. I think you can be optimistic about it uh, going in. I, I don't think you should get past the fact that they won 74 games. That could be, an that could be part of what the National League is all about, as well as the increase in uh, their ability to be competitive. And we love symmetry in the sports town. In 2014, the Cubs won 73 games. Uh, this season, they won 74. So next season would be on schedule for them to take off a launching point, if you will. And I don't know if that's going to happen, but certainly there is the history they would love to repeat. Bruce, looking at Monday, let's let's uh, spin ahead a little bit. Jed Hoyer will answer questions on Monday morning. He'll have the State of the Cubs address. What kind of tone will he set? And do you think he'll lean into this idea that, you know what, we talk so much about the major league team. The Cubs very proud of the minor league progress that they have made in the farm system, and they have a lot of prospects that might be ready for a call-up in 2023. Yeah, you're Chicago, okay? Uh, you, your expectations are great. You won a World Series. You were part of uh, building up the one of the great teams in Cub history for five or six years. Your goal is to do the same thing again, not to talk about your minor leagues, but to plug in <laughs> plug in some free agents. I expect, David. But Bruce, I, they won in South Bend. I expect to hear that uh, guys like Trey Turner and that, uh, and that Aaron Judge are on their radar, and they have the money, and they know – how important players like that would be to add for many different reasons other than the fact 
that they're superstars and they're a draw. Uh, the Cubs average 32,000 people every day for 81 home games without uh, yeah. a superstar. David, Bruce, without a superstar. I, I know. I, first time, and I, I can't yeah. remember the last time they didn't have a star player, and they still did that. I expect to hear we're all in and our chips will be on the table. Bruce, thank you for my Saturday morning smack back into reality. So you're right. Forget South Bend. Forget the Rockies. Forget the Iowa Cubs. This is all about what goes on at Wrigley Field at Clark and Addison. We have a lot of people to thank because this was a fun show. Bob Nightingale, great guest and a great baseball writer, reporter from USA Today. Our guest today, Sean Sears, did a terrific job of producing our show. David, people can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine and on our website, 670thescore.com, where I write Cubs and Sox very often in the offseason. Have a great week, David. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, callers and texters. Great participation today from the audience. I love all of the input and opinions and, uh, and facts in some cases. And thank you all for joining us here on Inside the Clubhouse. We'll be back next Saturday, as we always are, 9 to 11, talking baseball 52 weeks a year. Have a great week, everybody. Talk to you Monday morning at 5.30 on the Molly and Haw Show. You've been listening to Inside the Clubhouse at Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 score. Stay tuned for Steve Rosenblum next. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.